Are you ready for God's word? Okay. I think you could do better. You know, based on your response, that's how I'm going to preach. It was kind of like, eh. So if you leave today and you're like, yeah, the message was so-so, well, that's what you gave. Amen. I want you to think about this. What if God blessed us based on how we bless him? What if God blessed us based on how we bless him? We worship a little bit. We don't make such a big deal about his name. He's like, you don't need me. I'm going to bless you based on how you bless me. That would be terrific, wouldn't it? And, and, and I mean terrific like it might be bad. It might be bad for some of us. I want you to keep that in mind because today we're talking about family. Family. And I want you to look at me, look at me side-eyed if I get off this stool too long. Um, I'm not supposed to be putting torque and, and, and twisting motion on my knee. And, and can you imagine three full messages all day just, and then going to that side of the stage and then turning back, tur- going back and forth, back and forth. So I'm going to try to sit here as long as possible. Amen. Today we're talking about family. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Now, why did I, I title this message, The Choice is Yours? Because throughout God's Word, we see God giving us a choice. He gives us a choice of so many things. Didn't he say, now I put before you death and life. Choose. Do you choose death or do you choose life? He said, now choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Jesus put it this way. He said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You've got to choose. You're either going to serve the God of this world or you're going to serve the king of all glory. And so we have a choice to make. And you see that over and over and over in God's word, him bringing us to a choice. Amen? You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel. And be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. In a land flowing greatly with milk and honey. You know, um, Nashville's become quite a a trendy little place. I had no idea until we went there for a couple of worship uh, events and and conference type thing. Um, And when we were there, there was a place that we went to. It was called milk and honey, right? And milk and honey just sounds like good food, doesn't it? It sounds like good food because because that phrase indicates the goodness of God and the goodness of the land. And you know what I find interesting is that when you look up milk and honey uh, on Yelp or, or on these sites that show you where to go in Nashville, it comes up right at the top. Why? Because it's fabulous. Like we had some awesome food, a chicken biscuit sandwich, like, oh my goodness. Wow. If there was someone here in Bastrop, I'd be a lot heavier than I am today. But you know what I find interesting is that the, the reviews tell you this is a good place to eat. Can I tell you that some people don't pay attention to reviews? 
I know one. His name is Isaac Pena. He's my brother. And, every, and, and you guys got to quit telling Isaac that I preach about him. Because when he was here for the funeral, I think every one of you go, oh, you're Isaac. He's going to make me sign a, 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 like an agreement never to use his name again. Either way, we're going to, we're headed to Eagle Pass. This was years ago, and uh, on the way back from Eagle Pass, we had some business, or he wanted me to look over something and give him my advice on it, and so as I was headed back, he says, I'm going to buy you lunch, I'll buy you, you know, we'll, we'll eat together, and I said, great, there's nothing here in Eagle Pass, I'm, I'm yelping, because my daughter's, how many of you know that's like a younger generation thing? You know, uh, the days of just stopping and asking the police officer or something like that, hey, where's a good place to eat? No, now you yelp, and so I was yelping. And they said nothing about Eagle Pass, like, don't eat there. <laughs> I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what the online said. So I said, well, where's the great place? San Antonio. I said, We're gonna, we got to go through San Antonio. We'll eat there. And it's so interesting because my brother, he doesn't, he doesn't do reviews. He just kind of goes with it. And so we pull over at Stripes to put gas, and he comes back out after uh, for whatever he had to go in, he goes, hey, man, what if we just eat here? Stripes? He said, this, it kind of smelled pretty good. I said, no, let me look it up. It's a two-star. And it's like barely on the two-star. It's like, it's like one and a three-quarters. And what, what else does it say? I said, it's no good. And that's for gas station food. Can you imagine? And, and can I tell you, some of us don't look at the reviews in God's Word. We don't look at the reviews at what is being demonstrated by God's faithfulness. And we just do any old thing as it seems right to us, and we're eating at a gas station and wondering why we're sick. We're eating. What I mean by that, I mean we're living in such a way, let me put it to you another way. Um... A few weeks ago, I shared Christ with a young man right out here, and since then, I've seen him playing basketball more, and I go and I pray with him, and I talk to him, and I said, why haven't you come to church? He goes, I know, I know, I know, I know, and, and I said, um, let me ask you this, is your way working? No, it's, it's horrible, it's horrible. I said, then, see, eating at a gas station, not checking the reviews, and he goes, let me share with you the reviews of God's faithfulness. Let me tell you how good God is. So I started telling him about God's faithfulness, and he goes, man, I want that. I said, then come. He goes, yeah, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know. And so I hit him with this. I said, how many great Christian men have you seen? Can you imagine? Do you know this person in town? Do you know this person? Do you know this person, this person? He goes, yes. I said, would you like that kind of a life? Oh, I would love that kind of a life. They're great family, amazing witness, strong. They have it together. Things are going in the right direction. Even when they have a problem, they know how to handle it. Okay, those are reviews. Now the reviews are five star. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is showing you five star reviews, but you're eating one and a half star food. How do I mean by that? Because we're doing our own thing. This young man just, he 
keeps trying to do it his own way. He keeps trying to do it his own way. He keeps trying to do it his own way. And then he's wondering why his stomach's hurting. Then he's wondering why his life's not going right. Then he's wondering why things aren't falling into place and why God doesn't show up and bless his life when God has told him, do it this way. My reviews are true. What do we mean by that? One of the greatest names that we call God is holy. He's a holy, holy, holy God. What does that mean? Well, to me, holiness means righteous and just and perfect and good, but it also means consistent, meaning you can count on him. If he said it, it shall be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy, true to his word. He doesn't waffle back and forth and flip-flop and blow like the wind, tossed by the sea. He is true and sure and secure, and you can always know where you stand with him. If he says, I love you, then he loves you. If he says he'll never leave you or forsake you, he'll never leave you or forsake you. If he says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, then you are saved. Period. That's the review. Do you trust it? Do you trust it? Because here God is saying this. He's saying, if you do what I've asked you to do with your family, it shall be blessed. It shall be blessed. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, so that you may increase greatly in the land. Not just any land, but a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your... Isn't that amazing? He's saying, I don't want you just to receive the blessing for yourself. I need you to pass it on to your children. I need you to make sure that this is for the family so that it would go from one generation to the next generation to the next generation so that your children's children's children will know me and have the same blessing. Amen? Amen. This is what he's talking about. He's a generational God. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. People are asking me all the time, what kind of symbols do you have, should you have on yourself? Godly, biblical symbols that point straight to the goodness of God. That point straight to the goodness of God. This reminds me of how good God is that he gave me a wife, my helpmate, and that I should honor and cherish her. This reminds me that he died on the cross, but he's not hanging on that cross. He has risen. He's right at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back for me. Amen? This says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, because he does. And these are the kind of symbols, but not just that. You should talk about those symbols. You should talk about your faith. You should make a big deal about it to your children. Why? Because your children need to hear it, and they need to hear it from you. Where are they going to get it? Public school? Where are they going to get it? From their music? Where are they going to get it? From the TV? Television? Show? Oh, I get it. They're going to get it online. They're going to get it at Instagram. No, they're going to get it from you. You take the time to make sure and you 
raise your family in the way that they should go. So you might be here today and you might be saying, well, Pastor, how important is family to God? I want to just remind you of how family was created and designed by God. Now, you might be tempted to say, but Pastor, if he designed it, he created it, and he's all about it, then why is there so much drama and problems in families? Think about it with me for a second. God says he's for something, and the more he's for something, the more the enemy is against it. And so what you see is an attack on the family because it's so important to God. You see the enemy puts his sights on it, puts a big bullseye around it, and he goes after it with all his heart. And so you, I, I just want to share a couple of things with you. So God creates Adam and Eve, and they, and they have a family. But it's not long before they fall into conflict, and they're doing the blame game, right? And they're like, no, it's you, and it's your fault, God, and you gave me this crazy woman, and and it goes on and on. And then after they get exiled from the garden, I mean, that's pretty bad. You kind of wreck it so bad, you get kicked out of paradise. And now they have to make it on their own. And their two boys have a major conflict. One is murdered. And then from there, it spirals all the way downhill that God says, I'm starting over. And he starts over with another family, Noah's family. And then Noah comes through the flood one of his sons disrespects him and brings a curse upon himself. From that curse, you get Nimrod and the Tower of Babel where they were in God's face. They're saying, we don't care about you, God. We defy you. God comes down and confuses their languages. And in the very next chapter, he gives us Abraham, another family. But Abraham didn't have children, but God wanted to bless Abraham and establish a family with Abraham that he gave him a promised son. Way past his years, he gave him a miracle child. And from that son, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And I want you to think about the way God's family has always hearkened back to the patriarchs. They call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because he's a God of family. Not just any family, a family that would lead to King David. You go, oh gosh, there's an example for you. Yeah, King David, a man after God's own heart. But his family experienced lying, rape, incest, murder, treacherous rebellion against their own father. Oh, wow. And from there, you just see conflict after conflict with the family. And you might be tempted to say, Man, pastor, if God is for me, and that's the way it turns out. Or maybe some of you are saying, wow, my family's not so bad after all. <laughs> right? I believe God is showing you that, yes, in spite of the enemy coming against your family, he's still for you. And what the enemy is meant for evil, he can use for good. I want, you to remind, I want to remind you of the family drama that happened when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and God used that tragic event to save his entire family. And it's Joseph's words that remind us what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. God can do all things and does work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you only choose, but the choice is yours. The choice is yours. You can choose to honor God or you can choose to do it your own way. You can choose to, to go and have gas station food or you can choose to have a land flowing with milk and honey. It's up to you. The choice is yours.
So let's go through this a little bit because here you have God establishing the first family, and I want to talk about the purpose of that first family, okay? The purpose of that first family. And I want to, I want to submit to you that that purpose has not changed. Has not changed. It's still the same, but let's read in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Why is that important? Because God is saying, I want you to exhibit me in the earth. In our likeness, we're to exhibit the beauty of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that they may rule. Not just exhibit, but ultimately we need to establish something. Establish his rule. To establish something is to make it so. That his kingdom would come onto this earth even as it is in heaven. What is his kingdom like? It's love, righteousness, justice, peace. That's what we're called to do. And to rule. Okay, so let's keep going. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the, the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I'm just going gonna, gonna to highlight a couple of things for you. First of all, chapter 1 covers the entire creative order. From start to finish. Then chapter 2, he goes and gives you more detail on how he created Eve. Does that make sense? But chapter 1, he just tells you the whole story. I created male and female. But wait a minute, I thought he took her from... Yes, chapter 2, he gives you that detail. Does that make sense? But here, he's telling you, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. What does it mean that God blessed them? Well, he said to them, be fruitful, increase, and multiply. So I've covered two words with you. Here's the third. And these are our points for today. God wants you to exhibit. That means you reflect his likeness. You are to exhibit who he is in this earth. The blessing is you experience him. You're not just told about him. You actually get to live his goodness. And as you live his goodness, you establish what? His rule, his kingdom. You establish. So let's define these words. Exhibit, experience, establish. To exhibit something is to publicly display it. I want you to think about this like a work of art. Like something that's priceless. Come on, how, much do you, how, how many of us know that God's grace is priceless? And you're to exhibit how awesome it is as you live your life. To manifest it or deliberately display it. That's what we're called to do. Experience, well, you know what it is. That means to encounter it. To see it. To have it be known. So as you display it, you live it as you experience it. And then it goes to establish, to set up, achieve permanent acceptance or recognition for. Watch this. To set up rules to establish something that means you establish his rule because god said when you do this you'll experience my blessing 
you will have my blessing. So, so the blessing of God takes place when we, what? Exhibit, experience, and establish his kingdom here upon this earth. That's what God wants from us. And so what happened there in the garden? What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. The enemy came in. And we chose to side with the enemy. We chose to do it his way. We chose gas station food. You go, why do you keep saying that? Because it's so preposterous to me how anyone would choose that when you can go eat something so much better. Some of you are saying, why do you keep hammering on? I, I serve gas station food. I'm sorry if you do, but it, it's, for, it, it's for, I guess, a, a right time. But, but my, my illustration here is this. God has so much better for you. Why do we settle? Why do we settle in this world? To me, it's so obvious. It's so obvious to me. But can I tell you, that's because my heart has been liberated. And I have walked in from darkness to light. And when you're in the light, you can see how good God is and how you were duped before. How, why would anyone want to be ridiculed? And why would anyone want to be completely undone with sin and condemnation and trying to work it out in your own strength and having trouble after trouble after trouble when you have a God that says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll forgive you. You can live in freedom. Not only freedom, but you can have peace with me. Your heart can rest secure. Your family will love me, and I will bless them. I'll go before you and behind you and guard you all around. I'll bless you to a thousand generations. To me, it's so obvious. Sign me up. What do I got to do, Lord? Die to yourself and live for me. You got it. After all, aren't you the creator? Aren't you the one that wrote the manual? Aren't you the one that decides how I should live because you know me better than I know myself? Amen. It's so clear to me. But yet some are in darkness. And we have to show them. We have to exhibit God's goodness. And so this darkness starts spreading. It goes, to, it goes all the way to the point where God, God regretted making mankind, and what he means by that, he was burdened by it. That he says, I'm going to start over with you, Noah. Now watch this. This is the account of Noah's what? Family. Notice how he chooses to start over again with a... See, God always comes into covenant with an individual. If you want to go to the Lord, I mean, if you want to get to heaven, you cannot get in as a family. you got to get in as an individual. But it's interesting. The individual quickly is put into a family. He made Adam and he made Eve as individuals, and he quickly brought them into family. When you're saved, you're saved as an individual, but you quickly get brought into a family. That's the way God works. And here, God chooses to recreate the entire human race with one family. And he says, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. So this is what's happening. When we turn away from God as families, it will affect the whole world. How so? Because the family, watch this, influences the church 
And the church influences the community. And the community influences the what? The local government. And the local government influences the state government. And the state government influences the national government. And the national government influences the world. And it all starts with the family. And so when the family goes, the whole world goes. And here God is saying, I'm going to restart with a family. And then watch what he said. He said, so make yourself an ark, an ark that I'm going to bless. And so God does a supernatural work in that ark. It's a miracle. That's what it is. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, your sons, your wives, and your, your wife, and your son's wives. And so we know how the story goes. He comes out from the ark. That one son disrespects his father. From there, the curse comes in, and you have Nimrod, and you have the Tower of Babel, and this great defiance and rebellion against God, and God has to come down, and what? He confuses their languages, and he says, no, 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 no. I'm the owner here. I, I want to make another illustration before we go any further. How many of you would ever attempt to fix something you don't know that much about without looking at the manual. Am I the only one? I, I do that all the time. The problem is I'm a horrible mechanic. Now, I need you to live this illustration with me because some of you are thinking, I'm a great mechanic, but, but you're not you. You're, you're me. And if you're a bad mechanic, because what does, this, what does this represent? It represents you're a bad God. You're not a good God. I'm not a good mechanic, and I'm not a good God. I'm, a, I'm barely a good human. <laughs> I'm actually a lousy human, too. But, but this is what I mean. Because I'm a bad mechanic, I get in there, and I mess more things up than I do well. And then I take it to the dealer, and the dealer always says, well, why didn't you look at the manual. And then they say, and why didn't you bring it to us? Now, suppose I go to that dealer and I say, it's because um, I just felt like this is the way it should be fixed. What do you think that dealer is going to say? Well, we understand that's your feeling. <laughs> However, that's not the way the manufacturer and the engineers designed it to work. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of us come to God and we say, we know nothing about your business, Lord. We don't. We don't know how to be God. We don't even know how you created us. And we certainly couldn't recreate us. And we're not going to look at the manual, but we're going to tell you how to do your business. And when we wreck it, we bring it to you finally, and we say, Lord, why don't you bless it? And you say, well, why didn't you do this? You know, because I just feel that it should go like this. Let me, let me give you another illustration. What if I went to the dealer and I took to my Toyota dealer, my Toyota truck, but I brought my Chevy manual from my old truck, and I said, hey, um, I was looking at the manual, and they go, what is that? Oh, yeah, that's my, um, what year was that Chevy truck, Lewis? I forget. It's 90-something, 99, 2001, I don't know. 
and I bring it with my 2017 Toyota man, uh, truck, and I go, but I'm using this Chevy manual, and it doesn't seem to be working. And he would look at me like I'm crazy. So why do we do that with God? What do I mean by that? We bring some old, tired book, some old, tired religion that we scraped up from ancient I don't know where or from far off I don't know where or whatever, and we bring it and we say, I'm trying to live my life by this. And God's saying, I didn't give you that. I gave you a word, a word from on high. Live your life by this word. I'm trying to get through to some young people that are thinking right now, why is my family not working? And I'm telling you, work it by the manual the maker gave you, and it'll work. It'll work. And you'll be surprised how blessed you'll be. You'll be in a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what else I found from God? Even when the land is not flowing with milk and honey, my heart is. What do I mean by that? It hasn't always been rosy, but it's beautiful when he keeps you from the inside. Because he says, I'll keep you, and I'll protect you, and he protects your peace and your joy right in here. And what is established in here will eventually come out here. Do you hear me? And so he reestablishes his covenant after Noah's ancestors, Nimrod, and that whole crazy thing at the Tower of Babel, you might be saying, Pastor, I, I, I don't understand the Tower of Babel. You need to go back and listen to the messages two weeks ago. I did a whole two messages on the Tower of Babel. Because the Tower of Babel is rising again. That sorry attitude of shaking our fist in God's face is rising again. And you have a choice to make. What kind of family are you going to have? One that defies God or one that honors God? And so here the Bible says he starts over with Abraham and he says, I'm going to raise up a man. But I want you to think about this. He was, a, he was 90 years old and had no offspring. How are you going to have a family with someone that has no children? This is what God is saying. When you exhibit, when you show me off in the world, you will experience my miracle working power. I will do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. I'll take you beyond what you think is possible. I, wanna, I want you to testify. These are reviews right here for anyone who's not uh, maybe tracking with me. How many of you can say, Lord, thank you for doing way more than I ever could have in my own strength? Raise your hand high. Raise them high. Now, I want you to look around. No, no, keep them high. I didn't say put them down. Now, look around. Look around at the reviews. Young people, if you're under the age of 35, look around at the reviews. Testify of God's goodness. Ex exhibit to the world how awesome he is so that they too may experience and ultimately establish his goodness in the earth. That's what we're called to do here. So watch, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Wait, you're talking nations, family? God is saying um, the name we're going to give your great family is nation because your family's not going to be little. And Abraham's going, I don't even have a son. God says, you're going to experience my miracle working power. He has a son as a miracle at the age of like 9,900. He has a son. How many of you know God never makes mistakes? When life comes to be, it's never an accident. Someone said, well, 
Well, I was an accident. You're not an accident. Your parents may not have planned it, but God knew. And he sent, he sent life. He sparked life. And only he can spark it. Amen? And so watch this. Abraham shall surely become a great nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he might command his children and his household after him, and that they may keep the way of the Lord. What, what is God's way? Righteousness and justice. And can I tell you, the command is to Abraham. So I'm going to speak to my men for just a second. You want a great family? You need to step up and be a great man in that home. What do I mean by that? I mean, you need to lead your family. I want to remind you of something. When, when Adam and Eve fell, who ate the fruit first? Who ate the fruit first? Eve. Who did God come to? What did Adam try to do? He tried to redirect him. Say, Lord, I don't know if you know this, but um, you're making a bit of a mistake. You're being a little presumptuous. It wasn't, well, I did, but it was her. And you gave her to me. You gave me this strong, let's just say strong-willed woman. She's got a lot of amazing qualities, God. Yeah, you did good. But the one quality I'm having a little trouble with is she just so, um, well, she just has an op opinion about everything. Did, did, can you hear the conversation Adam's having with the Lord? Same one you've had. Yet God comes to who? And he says the same thing to Abraham. He says, in order that you may command your children and your household to keep what I have said, that you would teach them righteousness and justice, that you would teach them my way, that they would walk the way I've called you to walk. And when it goes wrong, it's your fault. I'm coming back to you, Adam. I'm coming back to you, Abraham. I'm coming back to you, Patrick. I'm coming back to you, Philip. I'm coming back to you. Uh-oh. Because you're called to be the man in that house. Now, I get it. Society is trying everything it can to weaken you, downplay you, dismiss you, and demean you. But you're called to be better than that in Jesus' name. You're called to be better than that in Jesus' name. You might say, Pastor, why are you coming at this so strong? Because I believe a strong family blesses a society. It does. And what you're seeing today is society unraveling, shaking before it falls and topples because Satan is trying to have this society topple and it takes a strong family to ground it and say, not in my generation. And that comes from strong men too. Take your place, man. You say, but pastor, what about the culture and the government? So I'm just going to deal with this and then we'll be done. I do believe that the culture and the government has had too much influence on the family. And some Christians have even gotten mixed up in their own hearts and minds thinking that government owns the family. Government does not own the family and they definitely don't own your children. They don't. Those are your gift from God and he'll hold you responsible for them. And so I need you to understand this and be comfortable with this. 
that government and culture do not own the family. And when government oversteps its bounds, and watch this, and comes against God's definition or his instruction of family, then it puts itself against at odds and counter to a mighty God who has said something different. And when government or culture puts itself against an almighty God in conflict, then almighty God is going to respond and government's going to lose. You say, but, but what does that mean? It means that there will be destruction in the land. Because many times what God does is he steps back and he says, you need my hand of blessing. And you've forgotten that. You need my hand to have the milk and honey flow. You need my hand to have the rain flow, to have everything flow. Because it's from my hand that every blessing flows. But you have thumbed your nose at me. You have said, I don't need you, God. Therefore, try to work it out without me. And so we need to understand this because you might say, but pastor, I think you've taken it a little too far when you said we are to establish God's rule in the land and in our government because there's a separation of church and state. Let me remind you of what one of our great presidents said. One of our great presidents said this, and these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. President Abraham Lincoln said that in his Gettysburg Address, one of his most famous speeches. Notice what he said, that this government, what? Of the people, by the people, and for the people. Let's say this is the United States represented in this great room. If you have a government of the people, that means we will select representatives from among you. And if you were all Christians, then what? It will be by the people, so it will be by Christians for the people. Do you see what God has always said? Get out there and influence your world. Exhibit my goodness. Experience it and then share it as you establish it everywhere you go. You go, yeah, but that's not what Jesus said. Oh, yeah, he said, therefore go. And in the Greek, it means as you live your life, be an influence for me. Make disciples of what? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, but I'm not so sure we want to do that. Then you don't understand how, God's, how good God is. And I want to submit to you. If you don't like submitting to God... It's because you're too, in, you're too in love with your rebellion. And there's some sin you don't want to let go of. I'm just going to put it straightforward. And more than likely, it's sexual sin. Because I know that's the one that gets deep down in your heart based on God's word. And that's typically the one you'll fight God on the most. So you say, what, what, what are you getting at? I'm saying that as a government, 
We have, we have to stop letting government, as a church and as a family, we have to stop letting government redefine what the family is. Government doesn't have the right to redefine what God established any more than I have a right to redefine what my Toyota is because I'm not the maker. And some of us are saying, but, 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 but what about those individuals that say, but, but for me, I kind of feel it. And you know what I always say? When you create your own world, you can set your own rules. Think about it with me for a second. You say, Pastor, that's ridiculous. Everything I try to live, I try to base it on God's word. Does God's word just say what I said? Does it back up what I said? Can the creator or the creation tell the creator how and why it should be? I'll I'll give you an example. The prophet Isaiah says, can the pot say to the potter, I don't like what you've done. I want you to redo things. No. No. See, this is important. This is important because I'm not just talking about same-sex marriage. I'm also talking about when government gets involved with no-fault divorce. The Bible says in the book of Malachi chapter 2 that you should not leave your wife, your helpmate of your youth. That what God has brought together, no one should break apart. And so the family has been broken apart 10 ways to Sunday. And I'm not here to, to, to get on you. I'm here to say, hey, if, if I've been thinking away and I've been feeling away and I've been caught up in the culture of this world, I need to turn from that and I need to say, Lord, from this moment on, I live for you and your glory alone. Lord, heal what my divorce did. Heal it, God, and I go forward in your name. In your name. How about this one? How about abortion? Uh Uh-oh. You know, it's funny because so many pastors shy away from abortion. And they say, Pastor, but there could be someone in your auditorium that's hurt by it. And I want to tell you with all sincerity, I believe in the miracle working forgiveness and healing of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you experience the tragic hurt of abortion because the culture influenced you, then then reach out by faith to the loving hand of Jesus Christ and experience his miracle-working healing, healing. But I've got to speak the truth. And the truth is that this nation has said it's okay to abort the future of the family. It's not okay. And it's not okay by God. And God will not bless it. And we get to choose. We get to choose. So there's so many things that come against the family. And, and, and it's come home even. This, this sparked something in me when I saw this, this sign proudly posted on that window in downtown Bastrop. Advocating for abortion. You say, well... Well, abortion is not abortion if it's done early on. Yeah, You're not God. Don't play God. Protect life. Stand for righteousness and justice, no matter what. No matter what. Oh, pastor, but it'll be so hard. It'll be so difficult. Well, guess what? We've never made Uh, uh, illegal activity legal because it's difficult. 
Or, Pastor, you don't understand. You know, it, it'll, it'll inconvenience so many things. Guess what? My parents were inconvenienced. It wasn't always easy to raise three children or four children when the fourth one came along. But yet they did it, and God blessed them, and that's what we're called to do. Amen? And so if you're here today and you've experienced the hurt of abortion, reach out by faith to the loving hand of Jesus Christ. And then ultimately, I want you to know this, that a good, strong family saves the culture. Saves the culture. How so? Because we are called to establish, that's where we end, the kingdom and the family of God in a lost and hurting world. We're not supposed to become part of the culture. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're called to be different. Be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be renewed in your mind. Now, I'm going to say something because there might be some of you here thinking, I don't get what you're talking about, man. You're, you have such an opinion. You just barking it out there. I don't believe that. You guess what? I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. Your, your, your mind has been darkened by the spirit of this age. How do I know that? Because the Bible says when you walk according to the lust of your flesh, your mind will be darkened, your heart will be hardened, and you'll want more of what your flesh wants. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says that when God starts to put his hand off of a society, read Romans chapter 1. Go home for homework. Read all of Romans chapter 1, especially from about verse 19 all the way to the end of the chapter. It says this. Three times God says, if you don't repent and you keep with this crazy notions that are anti-me, I will turn you over to your sin. I'll take my hand off of you, and I'll turn you over to a depraved mind. What does that mean? That means your thinking will be anti what the preacher says. If you have even an inkling of that, you confess it immediately. That's how, that's the antidote to say, Lord, my mind is anti your word. I confess that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come against it. Fill me by your spirit and renew my mind by your word that we might be blessed. You say, okay, pastor, I, I, I get it. No, 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 I don't think we get it because where we're headed is what God shows us in Mark chapter 6. You have John the Baptist in Mark chapter 6 Watch what he does. John had been saying to Herod, who was Herod? He was the king, or some say the governor under Rome, but he was in charge. And he said, the way you're living and the way you've tried to redefine family is unlawful. For you should not be committing adultery with your brother's wife. What does that mean? It means we're called to what? Watch. Exhibit. Experience. Establish. 
We're called to say, no, 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 there's some things that are out of bounds. And, and I will not go against God's word. But, but, but what if they don't like us? What happens to him? Anyone? What happens to him? Herod has him, Herod has him beheaded. Someone said to me the other day, Pastor, um, you better stop preaching that way. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God has a blessing for us. And we've been brought into his family. And he paid the highest price possible. He gave his son. So if you're here today. And you sense something going on. That's probably the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Say, Pastor, what should I do about it? Just right there, reach out by faith to the loving hand of Jesus Christ. Do it in your own words. But you could say something like this, men. You could say, I'm tired of doing it on my own. Pastor's right, I've been eating too much gas station food. God has an amazing table for me and I wanna eat at his table. So I want my family blessed. Just reach out by faith, men, and say, Lord, from this moment on, make me a God-honoring man. If you haven't married the, uh, the, the young lady you're sitting next to and you're sleeping with her, marry her. Marry her or have the respect enough to say, we're not meant to be together. Do you hear me? If you know you haven't taken the time, men, to start laying out God's what righteousness and justice in your home, then step into that and say, Father, from this moment on, righteousness and justice, I'm going to lay it out, and I need your help. You might say, Pastor, you're, you're challenging us to too much. The beauty of the way God works is this. You step forward in faith, he, he'll get involved. He'll show you how to get the marriage done. He'll show you how to fix all that. He'll show, but you've got to respond in faith. Amen? You've got to say, Lord, from this moment on, renew my mind. If the world's way worked so good, it would be, it would be so much better out there, but it's not good. And I don't want any part of it. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. Is there anyone here that would say, I want the Lord? And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll do it His way. I'm especially asking my young people for this. Don't wait till you're 50 to make the decision. Start now so that when you're 50, you could say, I've had 30 years of God's blessing. Not, I'm both broke, busted, and disgusted, and I'm just now coming to Jesus. Please help me, Lord. I'm three marriages later, all this hurt. And, and... Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. With one voice, your children, thank you for bringing us into the family. 
by your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. We are forever grateful in Jesus' name. Church, I love you.